Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am feeling good today. We're kicking off the series with a little bit of Justin Bieber. Today, my favorite football player, Tom Brady, is playing in the Super Bowl. Don't hate. It's okay. Calm down. He's there again. But honestly, the most important thing that I'm excited about is that we're doing a brand new series called Intentions. And I'll just be real with you. You're lucky that I don't put a relationship series every two months because I love getting to talk about relationships. In February, we always do a relationship series. And so it's, it's one of my favorite months to preach. So what is this series about, Danny? This is an interesting title, Intentions. And honestly, where it came from is a few months ago, I was driving in the car and the song from the bumper video by Justin Bieber, Intentions, came on and I'm, you know, I'm dancing a little, I'm dancing, I'm singing, I'm driving, I'm just feeling it. But those words that came through at the end of the chorus just really rang true with me. These are my only intentions. And I started thinking about it. Our intentions in our relationship, right? Like we, we all started off with a lot of really good intentions. When we're standing there on our wedding day, there, there were plenty of great intentions. We, we want to love each other, to cherish each other. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. We, we're going to love each other through sickness and health. We're going to be there. We're going to laugh. We're going to build a future. We're going to have kids. And, and I'm going to always care for you like I did today, right? Like it, it just, we all start with good intentions. And for most of us guys, the wedding journey begins with a question about our intentions. We sit down with a, a father or a, or a mom or a grandfather or someone, and they ask us this question, what are your intentions with my daughter? And we always fill the gap with all the, oh, great, she's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can't imagine life without her. My life has changed. Oh, yeah. All the feel-good things, right? But could you imagine if we answered that question with the reality of where many relationships actually are? Like, could you imagine if you answered the question this way? What are your intentions with my daughter? Well, sir, you know, the first year or two will be pretty good. But then somewhere after that, I won't always treat her like she's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And honestly, we'll probably get on, our, on each other's nerves a lot and, and we'll fight and we'll say a lot of things that you know, we kind of mean, but we don't mean and came out the wrong way, but we kind of hope that they get the point. And uh, somewhere along the way, you know, we'll, we'll have kids and, and those kids, their, their sports and their schooling will kind of take over everything and it'll get in the way of our connection with each other. But we're, we're trying to raise kids, so that's really all that matters. And 
yeah, I mean, sex will kind of be used as as payment for good behavior, but then it can be taken off the table at any point just for any reason. And, and we kind of like treat it as a transactional thing. And I, honestly, sir, there's a good chance we're not going to make it. Like, could you imagine answering questions that way? Could you imagine the reality of many relationships being presented at the very beginning when that question is, is asked, what are your intentions? I, I know that for some of you, that's not where your relationship is, but we've been in this long enough to know that many, many relationships are there. They're at that point where at least one part of that story is a part of your relationship. And it just brought me to this reality that that somehow what we intended to do, what we intended to be, what we intended to accomplish ends up so far from what we actually do in our actions. And that's where that little Bieber gave me the inspiration to write this series. Because the whole goal of this series over the next four weeks is that I wanna help you close the gap between your intentions and your actions. To close the gap between what we intended to do, intended to be, intended to accomplish as, as a couple. We wanna close the gap between those intentions and what we actually do every day, the way that we live that out. But to start that journey, we have to ask ourselves, what are our intentions? And that's what today is all about. I think about this a lot because Lauren and I, this summer will be 13 years married. We've been together for 16 years. We're coming up on two decades together and it's, it's pretty crazy to think about it. And I know for me as a husband, I had a lot of intentions. Right. I had a lot of great intentions that I, the kind of husband I wanted to be, the kind of father that I wanted to be, the things I wanted to provide for my wife, the, the way that I wanted to live out our relationship and live out our lives. And, you know, some of those I've, I've done a good job and I've accomplished a, a handful of them. But in many of them, I still have a long way to go. There's still a lot that I'm working on as a husband, as a father, and, and just as a man. There's, there's things that I'm still working on. But I, I had tons of great intentions in the beginning. But for all of us, and, and I know Lauren and I have walked through this in, in our time together, but for, for all of us, something interesting happens in our relationship. Look at this truth on the screen. Relationships naturally drift toward expectation instead of intentions. Remember how we talk about in life, we naturally drift toward things? Well, in our relationships, I believe we naturally drift towards expectations rather than intentions. In other words, what we drift towards is focusing so much more on what I want you to be and what I want you to do rather than what I hoped and promised I would be for you. We get caught up in, in our expectations on each other rather than looking at ourselves and going, wait a minute, I intended to do a lot of great things as a husband. I intended to be a lot of great things as a wife. I, 
I need to grow in myself. Instead, what we do is we, we project our expectations on each other rather than looking back. On our wedding day, we were, we were naive and we were full of love and we were full of, of good intentions. But somewhere along this journey, we stopped pursuing one another. Somewhere along the journey, we, we start projecting of what they aren't doing, what you aren't doing for me versus what I promised I would be for you. We drift towards expectations. And when you think about pursuit, man, think about all you did to pursue your spouse. Ladies, think about the hours you spent making sure that you were wearing the right outfit and getting your hair done just the right way and making sure everything was perfect. And guys, the the money that you spent on dates and gifts and this ridiculous things that you did to get her attention, the how far you went just to have a moment to talk with her, right? Think, think about, think about that. Go back to those days of what you did to pursue each other, the extent that you went to make each day memorable and each moment something that you could take a picture of together. And, and you remember that time we did and just think about those things, but somehow it ends. Somehow in our journey, the pursuit just stops and it becomes less about me pursuing you, me trying to be the best version of me for you. And it becomes more about, well, you're not meeting my expectations. You should be better. And we lose sight of how far we've come. Look at this truth. Before I can fix you, I have to be honest about me. Before I can fix you, I have to be honest about me. Coldplay has us out here feeling like I can fix you and I will try to fix you. No, I need to fix me. I need to worry about me. I need to grow within myself, become the best version of me so that I can present what I intended to be in this relationship for you. We have to shift back to those intentions rather than just casting out our expectations. Speaking of expectations, there's a a chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five, and it lays out this incredible challenge to husbands and wives. And we're going to read it together. It's it's a a famous and sometimes controversial and tension filled uh, verse, but I want to look at it together because it's really important. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 24. In the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you're to demonstrate love for your wives in the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Men, we're called and we're challenged in these verses to be sacrificial, to love sacrificially like Jesus loved, to die for your love the way that Jesus died for his church. We're called to be selfless, to put their needs ahead, 
Think about Jesus, the way that he was selfless and the way that he served everyone around him, the way he, he cared for the disciples, the way he cared for the people, the way that he just gave of himself constantly for the betterment of those around him. And he, he gave us this incredible example of being serving, to be a servant, to, to be humble enough to care for one another. You see, this portion of scripture can get filled with a lot of tension because Christian men have been coming back to this verse for generations going, see, the Bible says women are to be submitted. They should submit to the husband. The husband is the head of the home. And that that's great. You're totally right. That's exactly what the scripture says. But there's also an old adage that says heavy is the head that wears the crown. And you and I, guys, men, we have a responsibility. If we want to hold on to that, if we want to be the leaders of our homes, like Jesus is the leader of the church, we have to model his leadership. And his leadership is modeled through sacrifice, through being selfless, and through being a servant. So while we want this, this idea of being the head of our homes, and, and many Christian men talk about, well, we women need to see, see, women need to be submitted to their husbands. We better be living like Jesus. That's what we're called to. We're not called to be puffed up and arrogant. We're called to be humble and sacrificially loving our spouse. And then it becomes far easier for the wife, as the scriptures say, to be devoted, to be supportive, and to be submitted. And even, even that word always creates this weird feeling for, for women. Do you? I am a queen. You will not. I'm not submitted to anybody. But ladies, think about it. Just think about it this way. If your husband loved you sacrificially, if he put your needs ahead of his own, if he cared for your family in a way that he gave everything he could to serve you and to serve your family and to do everything to, to benefit you all as a whole, and he was humble and kind and encouraging, wouldn't that be someone that it'd be easy to go, okay, I trust you. I, I, I'll... I'll lean into this with the scripture saying I can be submitted to that kind of leader. Right. That's that's the goal. That's the goal of this, that that the husband as the leader of the home, he's bringing us closer to Jesus because every single day he's getting more and more like Jesus. But wives, ladies. We need your help because we ain't Jesus. We are far far from it. Don't say amen to that. We already know. We know we're not perfect. Now calm down. Simmer down. But ladies, seriously, what we need from you is you have an opportunity to offer us grace and to call out greatness in us. I love this. Lauren, Lauren does this for me and has done this for me my entire, the 16 years, like even when, before we were married, Lauren called out greatness in me. She would say, babe, you don't see it, but I see what you can be. I see who you can become. I can see who God's created you to be and the things we can accomplish together. She called out greatness in me, and you have the opportunity 
to offer us grace when we fail, and in those moments when we're weak, to call out greatness, to speak to our potential and speak to us the way that God speaks to us. Speak to us in the way where you're, you're supporting and you're calling out the best from us. The challenge for all of us is this. Does your relationship exemplify mutual support, sacrificial love, and intentional serving? the answer would be no, right? We're, we're all there. No matter how healthy the relationship is, we all have room to grow, right? Mutually supporting one another. Most days we get that right. Sometimes until like your plan kind of messes up my plan for Saturday. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. I, right? Like we've all been there. Come on. Sacrificial love, for the most part, we kind of get that right. But then there's seasons where I have a lot of needs and you're not meeting them. And so I call you out on those, right? Intentional serving that every day we wake up with the goal in mind, hey, I'm going to serve your needs instead of trying to fulfill my own. I think most of us know we have a long way to go in that. But here's the issue. Back to what we were talking about before. Where When we struggle with this, when we struggle with this in our relationship, most of the time where we go, where we lead, is projecting those expectations. See, the Bible says husband. See, the Bible says wife. You should be. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is reflective. If our relationship isn't mutually supportive, sacrificially loving and intentionally serving one another, then we have to ask ourselves us, you, what do I need to do to be better in those areas? Not me projecting on you how you're not meeting my expectations and see you're not even meeting God's expectations. That's not what we're doing here. It's for us to reflect and go, okay, God, how can I grow in this? I have to fix and be honest about me before I'm trying to fix anybody else. There's a, a very interesting relationship story in the Bible. And, and a couple of years ago, we, we covered this, but it's, it's one that I think is so important when it comes to relationships for it to look at. And it's, it's this weird love triangle between Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. It is totally worthy of a Lifetime movie. Like it totally could be that, but not like a Christmas one, but one of the like the the crazy ones like lifetime gets a little crazy with the movies don't ask me how i know it. i'm just telling you i flip through the channel and sometimes i land on it. it's like whoa what is going on here why is she? this is crazy but genesis chapter 29 starting in verse 16 now laban had two daughters the older daughter was named leah and the younger was named rachel there was no sparkle in leah's eyes but rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Now, this author took it too far, right? Do you remember You remember being back in college when, when your friend was trying to set you up? Like, ladies, you remember that? And, and she's like, I found the perfect guy for you. It's going to be awesome. Oh, that's great. Is he cute? Man, every time we hang out with him, he is so funny. I laugh the whole time. Oh, that's awesome. I love funny guys. Is he cute? He has a really great job. 
why won't you answer my question? Is he cute or is he not cute? Right? Like, I feel like that's what happened to poor Leah here. Leah had weak eyes. How disrespectful. But Rachel, she had the body and the face. Like, this author here was going too far. Way too descriptive and being mean to poor Leah. Let's jump back in verse 18. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but just a few days. What a beautiful story. But just just for a second, guys, could you imagine? You want to marry this woman. You have to work seven years, hard labor in the field, dealing with sheep, building tents and moving cattle and working on the farm for seven years. No smooches, no sex, no nothing. It's seven years of just waiting for this relationship to come to fruition. Man, that seems like that's a that's a long time. Verse 21. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. My man was very, very clear about his intentions. Speaking of intentions, it was abundantly clear. My man said, it's been seven years. I ain't waiting no more. Tonight is the night. Verse 22, so Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah, the older sister, to Jacob and he slept with her. I don't know how dark this tent was, but he didn't recognize that he didn't have the full bodied, beautiful face. He had the girl with the weak eyes. Verse 25, when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban? I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. Well, why didn't you say that from the beginning? Verse 27, but wait until the bridal week is over, then we'll give you Rachel too. Provided, here's the the addition, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. One thing that I always missed in this story, this is a very weird story, and it only gets weirder and crazier as it continues on, but some incredible Bible characters come out of, of this little love triangle here. One of the things I always missed is I always thought that Jacob had to wait an additional seven years before he got Rachel, but that isn't what happened. It was only seven days later that he got to be with Rachel, but once he had her, he still worked for the next seven years. He continued to work for her even when he had her. And it's always a reminder when I read this story about the power of that. I, I wonder, I wonder how different your relationship would be if you kept working on it. You kept fighting for it. You kept going back to those intentions you had. What, what would your relationship look like if once you had her, once you had him, you kept working, you kept fighting for it, you kept moving forward? Ask yourself, when did you stop pursuing 
each other. Seriously, ask yourself that. When, when in this journey, at what point, at what year, at what anniversary, at what forgotten birthday card, at what, what moment did you guys stop pursuing one another? Listen, we have to constantly pursue because we're, we're all changing. I'll just be transparent. Lauren and I are, are walking through a, a season like that right now because, because I'm going through some changes. I'm, I'm trying to navigate my insecurities as, as a church planner and a lead pastor. Uh, I'm working through grieving the loss of my dad and, and never having lost a major relationship in my life like that and there's lots of things that I'm I'm struggling with it guys like I'm I'm trying to figure out myself and and mentally work through it and and my personality is changing in certain moments and in the way that I handle myself in certain moments and, and grief coming out of nowhere to hit me Lauren and I are fighting so hard to make sure that we're getting closer through this changing season for me and not giving up on each other. And what I can credit our relationship, while we don't get everything right, the one thing we always do is we pursue one another. We don't stop pursuing each other. We don't stop fighting for one another. Lauren has been pursuing me and I have been pursuing her since the day that we met. And it hasn't stopped 13 years, 16 years later. But when, for you, in your relationship, did you stop pursuing each other? Now that you're two years in, now that you're 13 years in, now that you're 20 years in, now that you're 30 years in, if someone were to come to you and say, I know you guys have been together now for, for a long time, but what are your intentions with my daughter? What are your intentions with my son? How would you respond to that question? What are your intentions right now in this season? In this good season of some of your relationships, what are your intentions? In the season where you, you guys are on the rocks and you're fighting and it, it, you don't know if you're going to make it, what are your intentions? In this season where it feels like, I can't remember the last time we slept together. I, I feel you, Jacob, seven years. It, it may have been that long. What are your intentions? What are your intentions for one another? As we wrap up today, I want to give you three quick ways to help you close the gap between your intentions and your actions. And we could do a whole sermon on these, but I'm just going to give them to you really quickly. The first one is this, that you have to choose to serve rather than demand. Choose to serve rather than demanding what you need, demanding what you don't get, demanding change, demanding, demanding, demanding. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. They'll be refreshed. When you give, it's better to give than receive. I like receiving gifts, but I also love giving gifts. It's one of my favorite things to do. So how are you serving your partner? Guys and girls, those of you who are dating, 
you're you're in a dating relationship how are you serving one another are you serving each other spiritually are you serving each other mentally or are you just only worried about serving each other physically you see jesus jesus has a plan for all of that for you he wants you to learn to serve each other in the relationship without the physical stuff getting in between and and distracting from what matters the most for those of us who are married, you guys know that we absolutely love the, the five love languages. And we've talked about it many times. It's a resource. If you're interested in it, we can share it with you. We've got all the links to share it with you. But maybe, maybe you're trying to serve, but you're, you're, you're showing love and you're serving that love in the wrong language. You're serving your spouse the way that you wish you she would serve you. You're serving your husband the way that you wish he would serve you. But we have to speak the right language. We have to serve in a way that actually makes sense and meets a need for them. We have to work on us before we try to change them. The second one is this, choose to be honoring rather than self-serving. Choose to be honoring Choose to honor. Over and over in the scripture, we see this idea of honoring others. Matthew 23, 11, The greatest among you will be the one who always serves others from the heart. And I get it. Some of you would push back and go, Danny, they don't deserve to be honored. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they say. You don't know how they make me feel. They don't deserve my honor. Do you know what all I, I do for them and what I say for them and, and how I protect? Do you know how, how, can, how can you ask me to honor them? It's not me asking. It's the Lord. Because listen, I don't deserve to be called a child of God. I definitely have not earned that. But somehow I am. I don't deserve forgiveness for the sins that I, I've made. I don't deserve forgiveness for the sins that I continue to make. But somehow I am. I don't deserve a creator that even in the moments when I try to push him out of the circumstance, when I try to do things on my own, I don't deserve a creator who is poured in purpose and potential into my life. I don't deserve that, but somehow... That's what I received. None of us want to live in the world of deserving and earning because none of us deserve the God that we've been given. None of us deserve the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. We haven't earned that, nor have we deserved that. So when I get to a place where I don't want to show honor to someone, I have to remember, man, God honors me when I absolutely don't deserve it. He loves me so powerfully that he can move past the pain that I create for him. The way I break his heart in the moments that I try to do things my own way. And I tell him, I don't need you. I can do this one on my own. I constantly break the heart of God, yet he comes back with arms wide open. I don't deserve that. But yet, he still calls me his own. 
So for some of you, it, it may be super small. Find the smallest thing. Find one thing that you can honor. And you just keep honoring it until it grows into something else that you can honor. Right? Babe, whew, you parked that car like no one else I've ever seen. That You have parking skills like 007. Like, wow, look at that park job. I'm being facetious, but seriously, there's something in your spouse. There's something in that relationship that you can show honor to. And you just keep calling out honor on that. You just keep calling out when they do something good. Man, you make it a big deal. When they do something that matters to you, that speaks to you, you make it a big deal. And you call out honor over them. And the more that you do that, the more that you speak honor over them. The hope, the prayer, the belief is that more honorable things will start to grow from that. I believe that's what God does to us. He, he calls us chosen. He, he calls us purpose-filled. He, he just calls us all of these incredible things with the hope and the prayer that we're going to finally step up and live up to those things. Our, our dear friends, Dave and Ashley Willis, that are a part of marriage today. They, they are our marriage gurus that we lean on. We love them. And I'm stoked to let you know that uh, I got to do an interview a couple weeks ago with Dave. And uh, we talk about intentional sex. That's going to be for next week. So hide your kids, hide your wife, not your wife, but hide the kids. It's going to be awesome. But Dave and Ashley say this, be your spouse's greatest encourager, not their greatest critic. There's enough critics. There's enough of that. Be your spouse's greatest encourager. We've got to wrap up. Verse three, uh, not verse three, number three. This is the third one. Choose to fight for trust rather than surrender to assumption. Let me say that again. This is, this is really, really important. Choose to fight for trust rather than surrender to assumption. You know what the old saying is? When we assume it makes a butt out of you and me, you thought I was going to say it, didn't you? We, we can't do that. We can't live our relationships assuming the worst about one another. Look at this truth. One of the greatest enemies of a healthy relationship is assumption. Well, I, I just figured you would. I just thought. Well, I mean, you normally, so I just figured you would do it's always been this way, so I've, right? Have you said that? We've all been there. We've all said that in our relationships. Well, I just figured you were going to do, do this and this and this and this, and, and that just frustrated me. And it's like, wait, time out. You were mad at me because the potential that I could do it wrong even before I did it wrong? That makes no sense. But that's what we do in our relationships, especially when we lean into expectation versus our own intentions and recognizing our own self. The greatest enemy of our healthy relationships is assuming. So don't assume. Fight for trust. Fight to know and learn the truth. Dig past the surface. Dig past the argument. See past the anger in the moment and find the pain that's behind it. 
find the pain that's behind it. I, I saw somewhere recently, and I, I I don't know exactly where I saw it, but like that anger was was a secondary response. That there's always a pain that's behind that anger, and I think that's so true. There's always something there. So, are you just seeing the anger and you're just trying to fight off that anger, or are you actually digging past the surface? Fight for trust. Communicate your fears and your struggle. Don't surrender to assumption. Fight for trust. Guys, we can start doing this right now, today. And that's our challenge as we wrap up today. That is our challenge that I want to close with. I will be intentional in the way that I blank. Maybe for some of you, and I think all of you, all of us should do this. Write an index card and just have those words on there. I will be intentional in the way that I, and you fill in the blank. Do that one thing this week. Fill in that blank and do it every single day. Guys, you don't get to put sex on there. Figure out something else and then maybe the sex will follow. I will be intentional in the way that I blank in the way that I speak encouragement, in the way that I call out greatness in you, in the way that I love you and I pursue you, in in the way that I will speak your love language, in the way that I will take out the trash, in the way that I, I don't care what it is, you fill in the blank. I will be intentional in the way that I, right? I love that, what I will do, not what I'm asking you to do, what I will do. Do that every day. And next week when we come back together, We'll be talking about intentional sex and it'll be hopefully an incredible week for you leading up to that great conversation with Dave because you spent the the next seven days of your relationship intentionally doing whatever you you're going to fill in in that blank. I promise you it'll be totally worth it. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know. I know that relationships can be so challenging and they're so nuanced and there's so much that that I don't know. And and many people who hear this will try to defend what's happening in their relationship because it's like, well, Danny, you don't know all that's going on and you're totally right. But God, you know it all. And so, God, I pray right now that you would just bring clarity to the ways that I can be more intentional as a husband that each and every one of us would would move away from projecting our expectations and we'd move closer to the, the way we intentionally want to love our spouse. Jesus, I also know that in the midst of this, that as we as we take strides towards this, because the marriage, because a home, because that relationship is is so vitally important. I know the moment that we take steps towards health, the enemy of our purpose and the enemy of our soul is gonna come raging in like a lion. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would silence him. That this week, starting now, starting from this moment, that our relationships would begin to be transformed because of what you are going to do. God, we lean into it. We lean into what you want to do in our relationships. And we pray that the next seven days would absolutely change the last seven months of what our relationship 
has looked like. God, we believe you can do it. And we cannot wait to see how you're going to use how we move to a, a better place in our life to make our relationships even better. Change our intentions, guide our hearts, and help us draw close to each other as we draw close to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.